Chapter Seven of Brewing by H. Heston Chapman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Seven, Distribution, including bottling. Speaking broadly, beer is supplied by the brewer either in cask, draft beer, or in bottle. At the present time, the staple beer of this country is the so-called mild ale, which is intended for rapid consumption. This beer is supplied to the wholesale trade in cask and is usually consumed within a few days of leaving the brewery, whilst most well-brewed beer will become spontaneously bright if kept for a sufficiently long time under proper conditions. This beer is required to be brilliant within a very short time of racking into cask. To effect this, it is customary to add finings. Finings consist of a viscous solution of isinglass in dilute acid, usually sulfurous, or tartaric, or both. The isinglass, which is not really dissolved by the acid, but is only in a state bordering on solution, immediately coagulates when the finings are added to the beer, and in the process entraps, as it were, all the suspended particles, carrying them either to the top or to the bottom, and retaining them in the coagulum formed. One of the most striking changes which has taken place in the brewing industry during recent years is the enormous development of the bottle trade, largely at the expense of small casks. Originally all bottled beer was conditioned in bottle, that is to say, it was allowed to mature for a certain time in cask, and was then transferred to bottles, which were stored for a sufficiently long time to enable the secondary, or in this case, bottle fermentation to take place. Slow fermentation taking place under these conditions, that is to say, in the virtual absence of oxygen and under pressure, resulted in the production of a type of beer which could not be produced in any other way, and which was, and still is, highly appreciated by the connoisseur. The system is regarded by experts as in many respects the best, and it is still adopted in the case of the finest pale ales, export beers, and other beers of the highest quality. For a long time the bottle fermentation was thought to be due entirely to secondary yeasts, such as those which are chiefly responsible for the cask conditioning of draft beers, but during recent years it has been shown, first by Clausen, that certain organisms belonging to the group of Torulae are in reality the active agents. The Torulae are closely allied to the true Saccharomyces, from which they differ chiefly in their inability to form ascospores. As compared with the yeasts, from which they are often indistinguishable in their microscopical appearance, these organisms, figure 13, have usually fermentative properties of low order, and many of them are incapable of fermenting the ordinary sugars, to say nothing of the comparatively stable residual carbohydrates of beer. Some, however, have this power, and it is highly probable that the characteristic flavor of certain bottled beers is to some extent the result of their activity. At the same time, there is abundant evidence that the ordinary secondary yeasts are also operative. One objection to this system will be obvious, namely that since conditioning of the beer is due to fermentation occurring within the bottle, there must be a corresponding formation of yeast, that is to say, of sediment. About thirty years ago the practice of carbonation, as applied to bottled beer, made its appearance, and was soon found to meet a widespread demand. In this process the beer was bottled in a bright condition, and was then charged artificially with carbon dioxide, as in the preparation of the ordinary mineral waters. From the brewer's point of view, it had the advantage of enabling him to do a much quicker trade and to increase his turnover, whilst the consumer was glad to get a bottle of beer which was always charged with gas, and which being practically free from sediment, involved no waste. 
This process, which is still widely adopted, and which has certain well-defined merits, is not technologically a very perfect one, for not only is it impossible to prevent effectually the occurrence of fermentation, and consequently of sediment, if the beer is not quickly consumed, but there is from time to time a certain amount of difficulty due to the separation of certain protein matters of slight solubility. This is often a source of very considerable difficulty to the brewer in draft as well as in bottled beers. Certain of these proteins, which cannot be assimilated by the yeast and which consequently pass through into the finished beer, are frequently just on the borderland of true solution, and so a very slight alteration in the character of the solvent such as the formation of a little more alcohol, or the presence of a little more gas, causes them to come partly out of solution. In this state they cause the beer to present a hazy appearance, which is very difficult to deal with, and which renders it, for all practical purposes, unsaleable. Even the most perfect filtration could not entirely eliminate these defects from the simple carbonation process, and so brewers were quite prepared to welcome the chilling system. The principle underlying this is a very simple one. The solubility of the more complex protein matters dissolved in the beer diminishes with reduction of temperature, and if the beer is cooled sufficiently, they will come more or less completely out of solution. If then the beer is submitted to filtration at this low temperature, these matters will be removed, and the beer will subsequently remain brilliant for a considerable time, even when exposed to the most adverse conditions. In some cases the beer is cooled slowly in bulk in refrigerating chambers, whilst in others it is cooled rapidly in cylinders, but in both cases it is forced at a temperature but little above that of the freezing point of water through special filters before passing to the bottling machine. When the beer is cooled slowly in bulk, there is a very perfect separation not only of the protein matters, but also of suspended yeast cells, and such beer will keep brilliant in bottle for a considerable time provided that a thoroughly efficient filter is employed. Beer which has been quickly chilled is often less satisfactory in this respect. Unfortunately, the lowering of temperature has the effect of bringing out of solution not only the undesirable proteins, but also the hop resin, and beers which have been submitted to this process frequently possess too little hop flavor, a defect which has not up to the present been entirely remedied. Many modifications of these systems exist, but as the principles underlying them are practically the same, it will not serve any useful purpose to refer to them in detail. A certain amount of beer is sold in quart bottles or flagons, but as this is virtually draft beer, sold in bottles instead of in small casks, to suit the consumer's convenience, it is not necessary to refer to it further. It will be seen, then, that bottled beers may be roughly divided into three classes. A. Beers matured in cask and allowed to condition in the bottles, b. Beers filtered and artificially gassed in bottle, and c. Beers chilled, filtered at a low temperature, and bottled with or without the use of extraneous gas. That the beers of the first class are by far the best is generally admitted, and few beer drinkers would be found to deny the statement that in the other classes of bottled beer, brilliancy is usually secured at the expense of character and flavor, although, of course, there are great differences in these respects in the products of different firms. In concluding this chapter, attention may be called to the utilization of two very important waste products of the brewery, namely carbon dioxide gas and yeast. Taking the fundamental fermentation equation, C6H12O6 equals 2 C2H6O plus 2 CO2, 
it will be seen that 180 parts by weight of dextrose yield no less than 88 parts by weight of carbon dioxide, or for every ton of sugar fermented nearly half a ton of the gas is liberated. In many of the larger breweries this gas is collected from the fermenting tons, purified by passing it through scrubbers and towers containing certain purifying agents, and then condensed, cooled, and liquefied. The liquid carbon dioxide is then transferred to stout cylinders from which it is used by the brewer himself, or in which it is sold to other brewers or to mineral water manufacturers for the gassing of their products. Yeast is another by-product of the brewery, to the utilization of which a very large amount of attention has been devoted during recent years. Under ordinary circumstances, a reproduction equivalent to about five times the weight of the yeast used for pitching occurs, that is to say, for every one pound of fairly solid yeast added to the ton at the commencement of fermentation, about six pounds of equally solid yeast will be recovered. Assuming 30 million barrels of beer to be brewed annually in the United Kingdom, and assuming further that five pounds of yeast will be obtained from each barrel fermented, it will be seen that the whole annual output of yeast for the United Kingdom alone would amount to no less than 67,000 tons. Of this, which is undoubtedly a very low estimate, a proportion is, of course, needed by the brewer for starting fermentations, but the great bulk is not so required and is available for other purposes. Of the various uses which have been suggested for the product, by far the most interesting and successful is its conversion into a food product. It will be remembered that the yeast cell consists largely of protoplasm, the chemical basis of all living cells, and it is clear that it should possess nutritive properties of a high order. By a patented process certain changes are effected in the protein constituents, and as a result a product is obtained which resembles extract of meat so closely that it is almost impossible to distinguish between them either by taste or smell. In chemical composition, moreover, they are very similar indeed, the only difference so far as is known being that meat extracts contain the bases creatine and creatinin, whereas yeast extracts do not. As feeding stuff for cattle, dried yeast is also being somewhat largely used. End of chapter 7 And end of Brewing by A. Cheston Chapman Recorded by Marianne Spiegel in Chicago, Illinois, in July 2015